there's nothing like a musical hammer. <laughs> Oh, for crying out loud, Gomez. Don't you know the difference between Morticia and me? I do now. You're a lot softer. Ah, uh, you're under the mistletoe. <laughs> sure tell Christmas is coming around. Everybody's getting kiss-happy. Oh, I wrapped another present. Oh, Uncle Fester, you did it beautifully. It's so you. It's a knack. Dear Uncle Fester, he's such a sentimental softy, but he tries to hide it. There's plenty of room to hide it in. Thank you, darling. Merry Christmas. Now, I must wrap some more Christmas packages. Patrick, what is it? Where are you going? I've got to return some videotapes. You walk into this room at your own risk, because it leads to the future. Yo, see, bitch. Let's go. I love this surprise for the city. Yeah, you're gonna love this one. It's a scream, baby. All right. Hello, everybody. It's me, David Dunkirk, for KTLA Channel 7 News. With the weather this morning, an Arctic front will bring snow and cold temperatures to western Canada for the next several days. Make sure you're properly dressed if going outside for any amount of time, and in some areas, keep the shovels handy and snowblowers on standby. A dangerous week is setting up on the prairies as a piece of the polar vortex allows exceptionally cold air to spill over the region. We could see our first minus 50 degree reading in eight years in the coming days, a testament to the might of this looming cold snap. The coldest temperatures are expected by midweek when folks could endure temperatures dipping below minus 30 and possibly even below minus 40. It's already colder than both of those temperatures, by the way. In the overnight hours, any winds will make temperatures feel even colder, you fucking idiot! No shit! Wow. Dude, it's crazy. With the BC heat wave, it's like I've been already been flash fried and now I'm being flash frozen lately. I keep uh, walking home looking like the invisible man. The only visible part of me is like that tiny little slit where my eyeballs go. It is fucking cold outside, man. It's nasty. It's nasty. It's yucky. It's yuck. And uh, the whole thing. Actually, it has me thinking about uh, when I worked at Tim Hortons. Long ago and far away during what is easily the shittiest period of my life, moving back in with my mom, I had a lot of interesting coworkers. You know, it was pretty standard affair for Claire's home people. Uh, Ross was pretty much the, like, stereotype example. Real farm kid, had a little ranch just outside of town. Mostly, mostly sheep was his biz, but... uh. Just one of those born and bred fucking farmers. His dad's dad was a farmer. His dad's dad dad was a farmer. And his kid is probably going to be a fucking farmer. There were uh, tons of uh, Filipino ladies. More Filipino ladies than anything else, as a matter of fact. Uh, Christine. Bit of an older woman, I would say, in her 60s. But uh, real, real, real nice and friendly. And then there was this guy whose name I wish I could fucking remember. He sort of looks like the natural conclusion of bob ross going gray you know he kind of had that gray curly hair and the goatee and uh he was great man as far as sense of humor went he was the only one even on par with me dude i I must admit as douchey as it sounds uh i really liked working with him and you know we, we would talk and i would tell him some of my stories and he would tell me some of his stories and some of his stories involved being a teacher in antarctica which is fucking as crazy as it sounds, man. Apparently, if you're willing to live in Antarctica, they'll pay you a pretty fucking penny to do it. So uh, he was up there for about a year, made a good chunk of money, and he would just tell me these little stories about what it was like. You know, even just going from building to building was insane. Like, again, just like me walking home from work, the only visible part was that tiny little slit on your eyes. And even then, you can feel like the 
ice crystals forming on your eyelashes and in your sinuses. Anywhere air goes in and out, you can feel these sort of frosty little particles. And it's nasty. So, uh, again, this isn't a Christmas episode, but I mean, it sort of is in a way, because I did go back and listen to that Christmas episode I made, and Christ, is it bad! Oh my god, is it bad. It's really bad. So, I'm not going to say this is like the redemption Christmas episode, but there are going to be a lot of winter tales in this one, but, uh, I guess I just wanted to start this episode by telling you just how fucking cold it is outside. Long ago, in the mysterious land of Stettler, Alberta, we used to do this wintertime tradition. Now, this was a very little kid thing, obviously, so I really only have a vivid memory of ever doing it once, but around Stettler ways, uh, kind of behind a Walmart, there's a, there's this big old hill right next to this little walk-in park, and of course... In the summer, it's just a big old hill. But in the winter, it is like toboggan headquarters, baby. That hill is arguably the best toboggan spot within an hour's drive of me still. I couldn't think of anything better in Red Deer, honestly. that Maybe it's just the nostalgia speaking that makes me say that. But uh, as a kid, it was like Mount fucking Vesuvius. But uh, I'm sure now it would probably be a little less impressive. But regardless... Near this hill was a little gazebo, just all around this little man-made lake. And uh, what would happen was we'd get hayrides, and we'd have fucking hot dogs and hot chocolate and marshmallows and shit like that. And after that, 
there would be this massive fucking snowbank. All the kids waiting in a line like it's fucking Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. I don't mean like, you know, a line as in like you're waiting in line for like a fast food place. I mean a line like, you know, you're playing Ollie Ollie Oxen free. And basically what would happen is they would be like, all right, you kids ready? Five, four, three, two, one. And then your job was to dive into this massive snowbank and dig around for some of the toys that they had buried there. That was a fucking thing that they did. I I don't know why I'm remembering this only now, but uh, I remember that very vividly. That like, you know, three, two, one, go! And then like digging like a madman for toys and shit in the snow. Now, I logistically, they must have like had some sort of like... Oh, you're you're getting warmer, like, for the fucking kids. It wasn't just a total free-for-all, but uh, I really don't even remember what I got out of the fucking snowdrift. Honestly, I know it was my sister and I, and I don't even remember what she got. But I very vividly remember that feeling, that, like, countdown to go time. Is it go time? <laughs> it was. Fucking go time. I remember that so vividly. I remember the hay rides, the, the hot chocolate, the, a lot of my dad's my dad was a scout leader once upon a time back then he was rusty to the scouts instead of jason jason but uh i don't know why i've been thinking about that lately just that feeling of like right before the alarm sounds like all right three two one go reluctantly crouched at the starting line engines pumping and thumping in time the green light flashes the flags go up Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns. And thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed She's all alone All alone in a time of need Because he's racing and pacing and plotting the course He's fighting and riding and riding on his horse He's going the distance No trophy, no flowers, no flashbulbs, no wine He's haunted by something he cannot define Shaking earthquakes of doubt and remorse Assail him, impale him with muscle truck force In his mind he's still driving, still making the grade She's hoping in time that her memories will fade Cause he's racing and pacing and plotting the course He's fighting and fighting and riding on his horse The sun has gone down and the moon come up And long ago somebody left with the cup But he's striving and driving and hugging the turns And thinking of someone for whom he still burns He's going the distance He's going for speed She's all alone All alone in a time of need Because he's racing and racing and plotting the course He's fighting and fighting and riding on his horse He's going the distance Team my team reporters, travel trunk, tent and cross Look at that low plane, fine, then, uh-oh Overflow, population coming, flip what it'll do Save yourself, serve yourself
Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. No. He's a he's a gopher. He lives down the road, Shepherd's Hedge. Wait a minute. Where's my wallet? Gordon took my wallet. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down, the fans get up, and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down, and the moon has come up, and long ago somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns, and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. Deathly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fast on an empty tank The green light flashes The flags go up Churning and burning They yearn for the cup Reluctantly crouched At the starting line Speaking of Stetler uh, It was actually In Stetler era I went to preschool Kindergarten And about the first Four grades In Stetler So I would have been The right age For the classic you know, a little kindergarten, winter, Christmassy little get-together. They call it different things. I remember in high school it was like the uh, the winter jazz festival or some shit where they had a bunch of band kids get on stage and do their thing. And then the theater kids who were going to be in Christmas Carol did a little scene from Christmas Carol. Just one of those fucking things. But more so to the extreme of little kindergarten kids where they usually just get, you know, 20, 25 kids on stage on those fucking bleachers. You know the ones, and you got to stand in your little spot, wait for the lights to come up, and don't look at your parents for a lot of it. (laughs) Of course, parents record these kind of things with little kids, so you can watch them back. And uh, I remember not being too far away from my boy Cameron back then, who was no longer my boy Cameron, but uh, it was a good old time. And... uh, My friend Marv actually told me this story, so uh, I am sort of stealing it from him, but uh, god damn it, uh, it cracks me up because it's like so fucking relatable. So he went to one of those little like kindergarten kids sort of Christmas pageant-y blah, 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 blah. So he's there, he's watching his little nephew, classic little kid, you know, they like don't know what to do with their hands, they're like looking at the ground a lot, they're like talking to their friends. Actually, it's very similar to what I'm doing right now, IRL, just because of ADHD. Like, it's just no, no sitting still, no idea of like, oh, the parents are here. I should be like, you know, looking at them. No, 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 no. It is pure little kid joy. So he's watching his, his little nephew do her little song. She's staring at the floor. She's a little like embarrassed, but she's still having a lot of fun. You know, it's really cute. And there's this uh, little Indian kid. Like, I only mention that because that's what he told me. There's this little Indian kid about two, three rows behind her, right on the edge. And uh, boy, oh boy, this kid did not give a fuck. He, you know, pretty, pretty standard little kid stuff. He's singing. He's looking at the ground. And then he takes one hand and straight up scratches his ass with it. Takes his hand out of his pants. And then he takes both hands and does the old double cheek scratch a mag. And if that's not enough for you, ladies and gentlemen, takes both hands out, takes his left hand, gives it a little, uh, <laughs> it is such like a monkey at the fucking zoo behavior where you're like, no, 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 and then he fucking does it. Now, of course, all of this happens within like 10 seconds. In real life, this happened very quickly, and it wasn't terribly obvious, but uh, if you knew where to look, <laughs> you would have seen this poor little fucking Indian kid just double fist in his own ass, and not only that, just a little after-dinner mint, a little... <laughs> Fucking finish it off. Oh, man. I've actually been talking to my mom somewhat, a tiny bit, mostly just to say, hey, I don't want to come home for Christmas. Back off, lady. But uh, I know for a fact that she has a lot of old Stetler VHS and stuff like that. So maybe if I get really, really lucky, when I go and see my mom next time, I'll uh, dig through the Stetler chest and See if there's anything on camera, or even off camera. Like, even just a yearbook would be really nice for me. But, uh, dear sweet God, I really do hope that if I do go back to my mom's place, you know, and I do find some old VHS Christmas time pageant footage, I really hope 
I kept my hands out of my fucking pants. How about out the bat? Give you something to clap about. Ass so big, pin it down, got her tapping out. She look at the ass in the mirror before she came out. Biker shorts, all you see is fat, ma, hanging out. Real thick, she put the pole between them cheeks. Ratchet in public, them fold in the sheets. She know how to throw that motherfucker across the street. She don't ride dick on her knees, she on her feet. Shawty got ass for days. And she going both ways. You should see her on the stage. Shawty really getting paid. Shawty got ass for days. And she going both ways. You should see her on the stage. Shawty really getting paid. Out the country, came back, her ass bigger Poppin' that pussy, she always posing in the mirror Met that lame nigga, she wanna come fuck with a real one Three in the morning, she hit my phone, I'm sending pictures Straight to the back, and I bend her over, and I hit her Shawty got ass for days And she going both ways You should see her on the stage Shawty really getting paid Shawty got ass for days and she going both ways. You should see her on the stage. I like it. it really getting paid. Hell? All the way to the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hottest layer. Well, I mean, I figured after I did the. Okay. Yeah, no. Sorry. You just kind of got me at a bad time here. Yes, mom. I love you too. Okay, bye. Oh, sorry, just Satan. Um, my dad <laughs> loved to take me out to Stanton School. My grandparents actually live right beside Stanton School, as a matter of fact. If you aren't familiar, it's a very small, what are those retro, like, less than 25 classroom size fucking buildings? It was literally just one room. And uh, my grandpa was one of the graduating members of that school a long time ago. Not much of a graduating class, very few of them, but uh, they still meet up at Stanton every single year, right around Krimbus time. A lot of folks and friends and family and little kids, and they have this thing that they do with little kids where basically you like get up and sing a song, and if you do get up and sing a song, you, you get a gift. So I think there was one year my sister and I did a, I put a tack on sister's chair. Somebody snitched on me, shit like that. Yeah, my dad used to make us perform at Stanton. And it used to make us, it's not like dance moms where I'm like crying in the background. And she's like, you're pirouette as shit. It was just the older I got, the more uncomfortable I got with it. I never really liked doing it, but as I got older, it just got weirder and less comfy and more strange, but uh, I must admit, I did always get some pretty sick toys out of it. It was a lot of people to cram into a room that small, but uh, it worked out relatively nicely. You know, and watching other people perform is fine. It's just the actually performing part. It sucks. The classic buffet conundrum. Everybody loves going to a potluck, but nobody wants to, like, prepare fucking food for a potluck. So it was interesting. I got a lot of sick Ben 10 toys. I remember that. I was very into Ben 10. Dude, uh, that was really my big thing back then was Ben 10. I really, I never even really like watched the show. Honestly, I just thought all the toys were cool as shit. I probably watched less than a season of the actual show. Very similar with Bakugan. We're like, I never watched Bakugan. I was never a Bakugan fan, but like I was a Bakugan fan. I still have quite a few Bakugan. I think it's an interesting way to make a toy. So Fucking Stanton School, man. I, I'm very glad I don't have to go back to Stanton School anytime soon. But uh, it's weird because, like, kind of in high school is when I started being a theater person. And sort of ever since I graduated, people are like, well, you could get back into theater. You could get back into performance stuff like that. And I actually had one of my old directors shoot me a, a message like, hey, somebody dropped out of this production last minute. Could you fill in? And it really was, like, 
it, it's just being dangled in front of you. Like, would you get back into theater if it was dangled in front of you? And I think the answer for me is, under the right circumstances, yes. I don't want to do a musical. Honestly, I just don't. I love to sing. I, I did a lot of choir and theater and musicals. But, like, I don't really want to be a part of a musical. Honestly, I would much rather do like something a bit more serious, something like acting, you know what I mean? That is sort of the frustrating thing about being in high school is even like we went to go and see a Lindsay Thurber production of West Side Story and I was blown away by the maturity. Like a lot of the stuff in West Side Story, like the casual, like the way they talk to women, the fight scenes, the like hints of sexual assault, even like a year after graduating, and I went to see my, my sister's was theater tech in a production called uh, She Kills Monsters. And that production was more mature than anything I ever did in my entire high school career. And it really bummed me out in a way, honestly. It was kind of like, oh, fuck. Now you guys get to do all the cool shit? All this stuff that's dealing with themes of, like, your sibling's death and, like, being ostracized for being gay. Just, like, all these awesome themes that we never really got to touch while I was in theater. So I guess there is still a little part of me that really wants to do some kind of acting in some capacity. But again, it would have to be something grounded, you know? I like comedy. Of course I like comedy. You just heard the fucking song I just played. But uh, if I were to get back into it, it would have to be something grounded. Mama, don't make me put on the dress again I can't stand the way it opens when I spin Ribbon bows around my shoulder and I'm only getting older Mama, don't make me put on the dress again Daddy, don't make me fancy dance around Paint up in that makeup like a clown if I see another stocking, Lord, I swear to God I'm walking, Lord. Daddy, don't make me fancy dance around. When I'm coming home alone for the hundredth time or so, it gets harder on my hard-earned money's dime. To the bottle in my basket, will it answer if I ask it? Doing right or am I doing time? Lover, don't make me hit the road again I can't barely feel your fingers on my skin I've been booking every city Looking sad, but looking pretty looking Lover, don't make me hit the road again Brother, don't make me tell you where I've been Running round in circles made of sin I've been drinking like my daddy And he ain't never had his last one, had he? Brother, don't make me tell you where I've been When I'm coming home alone For the hundredth time or so It gets harder on my hard-earned money's dime To the bottle in my basket Will it answer if I ask it? Doing right or am I doing time? favorite parts about living alone i've been living alone for two years come this july one of the best parts about it is almost all of it honestly i just like my alone time i, I like working alone all night at the hotel i like going back to my own little space where i can 
relax and be comfy. And like, I was, I've just enjoyed being alone for a very long time. It's only recently that I get that like, well, every time I'm not with someone, I'm thinking about them and fuck, I miss her rain. So thanks for that. God fucking fulfilling my life and everything, giving me purpose. Fuck off. But, uh, one of my favorite parts about living alone is you don't get dragged into a lot of the Christmas traditions. As much as I love Christmas, part of the reason I was a little anti-Christmas for a while is just because of some of those traditions that your family drags you into. Like, you've heard me say it before, but it's like certain movies. You watch the same movie every single year, and they always laugh at the jokes every single year, and they expect you to laugh at the jokes every single year. It just wears you down after a while. I can only watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation so many times before I'm just like, ugh, ugh. I can only watch Tim Allen in The Santa Claus so many times before I'm like, ugh, ugh. And another one of those traditions that I'm glad I don't really have to sit through anymore is something that happened... All the fucking time. Even when I was in BC, this happened. Is right like Christmas Eve. Someone in the family would say, everyone, let's pack up in the car and go drive around and look at Christmas lights. Why the fuck would we do that? Now, part of my aversion to, oh, let's go and look at Christmas lights. Part of it is just that it takes too long. Part of it is that it's just unnecessary. And part of it is detrinopia. That's a specific type of red-green colorblindness. Now, my colorblindness isn't terribly strong at the moment. The older I get, the more obvious it'll become. But it does screw me up in certain scenarios, especially low light and uh, really like dark red, dark green. They look almost the same to me. I have a hard time telling them apart. Same thing with blue and purple. I always have a hard time knowing if something is blue or purple. That's just the way it goes. And uh, and it's not like, you know, when I look at all these Christmas lights, they're just fucking gray or anything. And I don't think it's entirely because of the colorblind thing that I'm so anti, oh, let's go look at Christmas lights. But it's like, dude, <laughs> you've had all month of driving around doing various errands and looking at Christmas lights. What makes this little, like, eight people in a van trip so fucking special? I don't get it. Man, I must admit, I don't. I love the look of Christmas lights. I have Christmas lights in my house right now that are on. But, like, I don't need to do a fucking tour of the local Christmas arrays. I just don't. Now, there is certain exemptions to that rule. Like, there was this uh, house. I believe it was in Red Deer, but I couldn't be certain that was, like, massively decked out. They were basically offering walkthrough tours of this place. It was so massive and full of Christmas lights. And that's a different thing. Even when I went to Grand Prairie this year, we did a little, uh, it was basically a little place where you go, like a golf course, and they had turned it into like a a Christmas drive through kind of thing. Kind of like those drive through zoos you hear people talk about. But instead of any animal life, it was just Christmas lights. And of course, they were sponsored by different companies. You know, Telus had like a big tower, Coca-Cola, blah, 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 blah. And it always reminds me of zoo lights which is something my parents were very into going to every year. As long as we were like living in the same roof, they were like, oh, we got to go to zoo lights this year. Get that big ass glowy mug. Walk over to the tent where they got like hot maple syrup on a stick because we're Canadian. God fucking damn it. It's interesting. You know, as much as I like Christmas lights, I do. I like having them year round. I like that kind of soft, ambient, colorful lighting, but, uh, really don't need to drive around and go look at Christmas lights. All right, we already got zoo lights. We got the fucking drive-through little Christmas thing. Do we really need to just fucking dick around Red Deer looking at Christmas lights? Do we have to? Short answer, for me, anyway, is no. What is the magic that makes one's eyes sparkle and gleam light up the skies? The name of the game I see you peeing in your pants, little sissy boy. Jerks. 
Welcome to the octagon, lay a player flat before the trainer felt his clock was on. Keep your socks torn, it's a boxer thorn with hard rock, black rock, and Ron's gone barbers on. Curled up, begging, laying on the canvas instead of in the ready position like praying mantis. Scissors, land this grand fist sandwich, stance with slant on stitches, switch hands itch. Damn snitch, any street corner could be the platform to meet the feet corner. Wonder, watch your mouth draw south floor, out floor. Doubt your clout more about raw out score. Boy, off the leash like UFC, off the beat, off your feet like two lefties. FUBs, heifer please, lost a few to stew beef, new referees. What a remarkable team, show your teeth. Wipe off slight smirks The match was mapped out Get jabbed and crap slapped out, tapped out Either the lunch bin or chokehold time Munchkins get punched in like vocal rhyme Right hurts. Universal beatdown. Oh, that's so much better. Those lights were brutal. Are they come from the dishonest press? Where? Oh, don't turn them off. Forget it. Better, right? Don't turn them on. Don't turn the lights on. Plus, we save on electricity, right? And because the lights didn't work, I won't pay the rent, so we get better lighting and we don't pay the rent, right? Right? No, get those lights off. Off. Turn them off. They're too, they're too bright. Turn them off. Turn them off. Let's go. Ready? Turn off the lights. Turn off the lights. Turn off the lights. Turn them off. So much nicer. No, no, that's the way we have to negotiate for our country. God. Remember, remember Trumper? Remember that little fella? Remember that little scamp? Remember when Ivanka decked out the White House to look like some horribly festive, evil corner of the back rooms? Remember that? Oh, fuck. Anyways... I often have that question, and you've heard me talk about this on the podcast. Does this podcast help anyone? Does anyone get anything out of this? I don't fucking know. But at the very least, I like to think it's educational. And uh, I guess in order to meet our education quota for this episode, let's talk a bit about my boy, John Ginoli. He's a queer boy, queer little musician, growing up in, you know, 90s, 80s. It was frustrating, you know, because at the same time as it was sort of this movement of gay pride, out and proud. There was also things like the AIDS crisis that were really just rough. Man, all the media was suggesting, you know, be out, be proud, but not a lot of people were very out and very proud, especially in the music scene. And as someone who was really into like early Beatles and the Ramones, this was sort of frustrating to my boy John Ginoli. And uh, he wanted to start, without even knowing the term, one of the first real queer core bands, the Pansy Division. And that is exactly what he did. Puts an ad in the paper, essentially says, looking for queer musicians into early Beatles, the Ramones, Buzzcock, shit like that. And soon enough, he gets a response from a guy named Chris. And soon enough, another guy joins. And soon enough, another guy joins. And it is just pansy division, man. It really is all of that same punk energy where a lot of punk songs are about like, oh, look at that fine ass bitch. I can't wait to take her home and fuck the shit out of her. Yeah. Uh, this band talks more about fucking than almost any other band I've ever heard in my life. And they're entirely filled to the brim with gay dudes. It's it's really interesting. Uh, they, they really got notoriety once they started touring with Green Day in 94. Uh, they really are the most commercially successful band of the queercore movement, which began in the 80s. They really just wanted to form the first all-gay rock band that any of them had ever heard of. And that's exactly what they did. They kind of wanted to 
press up against that stereotype of what gay people music is. Even now, when I say gay people music, you know exactly what I mean. That, like, dancey, like, disco show tunes. They really just wanted to step in the opposite direction. They wanted just to be loud, be proud, be angry, and be fucking as many dudes as possible. As many dudes as possible, rather. So, believe it or not, the most popular song from Lavender Division, is actually a Christmas song. So it works out pretty dang well, episode-wise. Um, they took a bit of a break in the mid-2000s. They, they had a bit of an album in 2009, and then they kind of ran away a little. And uh, they came back in 2016 with an album, Quite Contrary, which uh, is worth listening to if you're a fan of punk music in general. But this one, it is a Christmas song, I will admit, but uh, it's just good shit, dude. It, uh, it kind of makes me laugh, honestly. But I really do appreciate just how like we don't give a fuck what other people think we are going to talk about fucking this song is you know i love when people take taboo subjects like that and just say you know what fuck you i'm just gonna talk about it openly so uh happy homo days everybody oh fuck did i really just say that jesus christ oh here it here it is man This will be our last song. We are nearing the end of the episode. And I feel like I did a little Christmas bashing with my my shitting upon the lights. It's just not my thing, man. You gotta understand. But uh, you know what is my thing? This wonderful little comedy from 2007 that, uh, man, you know, I always tell people, like, there are no guilty pleasures. There are just pleasures. You know, if you like it, you like it. There's no need to feel shame. But, uh, dude... <sighs> I feel a little shame, I must admit, admitting that this is one of my favorite fucking Christmas movies of all time. So much shame, in fact, that, uh, you know, I'm not even going to say it. How about this? How about I play you the movie trailer? It's, it's literally like less than a minute and 30 seconds long. And then somewhere along the way, it, once you have figured out what movie I'm talking about, I'll hop back in and we can talk a little bit about it, shall we? Let's do that. 
Due to near blizzard conditions, all flights have been canceled. Happy holidays. I don't want to see Santa! Get on Santa's lap! Could be worse. <laughs> Who's going to take care of them? You are, Van Bork. Give me five. Ah I'll be in my office watching your every move on camera. Merry Christmas. My children are trapped in an airport on Christmas Eve. Do you have any idea how miserable they must be? <laughs> the nightmare has begun. You help me find those kids. Trained you kids, the Navy SEALs. Just a season to be Unaccompanied minors. Merry Christmas to me. All right, I guess you really don't have to guess anymore. Bitch, it's unaccompanied minors. I, I really don't know if that's... I don't know if movies work like songs where sometimes movies are just like little Canadian darlings. And if you were like, remember this? People would be like, what? But dude, like when that movie came out, I had been on a plane before. Yes, but I had never been on a plane by myself, quote unquote, just me and my sister. I have been on a plane, just me and my sister, Several times since then. And I've even been on flights by myself. I, I think I have been on exactly one flight by myself. But, uh, man, it was just, that is exactly what you want it to be, that fucking movie. Unaccompanied Minors is just a really great collection of good kid actors, decent adult actors, jokes that really landed for me when I was a kid. It's just one of those movies that uh, I'm really nostalgic for. I must admit, and you may be thinking, oh, this is one of your favorite movies. You must like watch it like what every every year on Christmas, right? No. Honestly, I'm a little nervous to go back to it because in my mind, it is like one of the best Christmas movies I've ever seen. I would still say, if you were to ask me like top ten Christmas movies of all time, I would put unaccompanied minors on that list, dude. It just it just hit my spots. It's got the fucking fat kid from Bad Santa, the other, uh, he's got dark hair kid from Everybody Loves Raymond. There's just a lot of good actors. Louis Black, comedy legend. There's a lot of good shit in that movie, and I love it. So I figured, if anything, could redeem my somewhat Scrooge's nature, that, that might be it, is sitting down and watching Unaccompanied Minors. Damn it. Now, next year... I'm going to have to watch that movie. And you know why I'm going to have to watch that movie? Yes, because it's good. And yes, because it's nostalgic. And yes, because it's got a lot of actors. But you know why I'm really going to have to rewatch that movie? Just so I have an excuse to fucking crank this song. Turn it up to a thousand. Wake up all of Red Deer with me fucking bopping to unaccompanied minors stuck in a snowstorm. No place to go.
I ho 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 hope you enjoyed this episode. Ho ho ho. I don't know why I feel the urge to fucking ho ho ho. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Ho ho. Now I have to return some diggity dang unaccompanied minors. Thank you for joining me. You beautiful little bangus. You beautiful little bungus. Well, if there ever was a Christmas episode, this is it. So welcome, welcome. Yeah, welcome. Now that it's over, welcome. <laughs> Fucking hope you enjoyed the unofficially official, unofficial Christmas episode. Oh, I have to return some jingle and jangle and video And a happy new year. I must say, best of luck in 2023, whatever that brings. I mean, other than the Mario Bros. movie. Actually, you know what? It is going to be a good year. Never mind. I changed my mind. Next year, we're going to achieve peak human perfection. You just sit and wait, babies. I love you. And I'll catch you on the next one. Catch you on the flippity flop. If you need me, I'll be uh, tracking down Lewis Black so I can ask him various questions about unaccompanied minors. Later.